Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the latest edition of March Madness 365. I'm your host, Andy Katz. And this edition of our podcast will unveil my way, way, way too early Power 36. Of course, this is changing hourly, daily, as players decide to transfer into the NBA draft, some permanently, some keeping the door open. Uh, but still, we want to provide that engagement opportunity for you with the Power 36 here after what would have been the national championship game in Atlanta. Uh, it didn't happen. We are dealing with a global pandemic. And yet, uh, we still had our March Madness moments. Uh, and there was an upset. Of course there was. Uh, we finished that off over the weekend. We had great podcasts over the last couple of weeks talking to players, coaches, people that were involved in some of the greatest moments of the last quarter century or more. Actually, the last 50 years. Uh, going back to that 1966 National Championship win by Texas Western. So the shocker was in the National Championship game of our March Madness moments. Uh, we had Illinois come back in 2005 over Arizona at Allstate Arena, the Rosemont Horizon, outside suburban Chicago near O'Hare. That shocked in the national semifinal the Chris Jenkins 2016 buzzer beater. If I were picking it, of course, that's what I would pick because we'd never seen that before, a three-pointer to win the national championship. We had Chris Jenkins on the podcast last week, but this was a fan vote and the Twitter power of the Illini fan base in the Big Ten came through. It's just got a bigger fan base than in Villanova, and they came out strong. And voted for Illinois. So they knocked off Villanova. In the other semifinal, interesting, the Michigan fan base, Trey Burke shot in 2013. We had John Beeline on from last week, uh, who was the coach in, of Michigan in, the, in 2013. You would think that Michigan's fan base would have knocked off UMBC, small school in the America East, suburban Maryland, uh, getting the win over Michigan. Now it is the better moment, the 16 over one from, uh, you know, I mean, that that's the bigger moment from a couple of years ago, but um, still Michigan didn't come through. So UMBC won. So we had UMBC and we had Jairus Lyles last week on the show versus Illinois and once again, I would have voted UMBC 16 over one of Virginia to win it, but that's not what happened. What happened was Illinois upsets UMBC to win our March Madness moments. So tremendous engagement from our fans across the country. We deeply appreciate it. Uh, so that was, you know, a fun little exercise we did in lieu of not having an NCAA tournament. We are obviously incredibly hopeful that we will have a season beginning on time in November and the final four, of course, in Indianapolis in 2021. This is the first time for me since 1992 that um, I've not been into the final four. So very bizarre times, obviously for all of us, 
so what we want to do is keep some consistency. It's good to have a routine. Last week, they had the announcements for, you know, all the Player of the Year honors. Obi Toppin won the Naismith. Anthony Grant won the Naismith for Coach of the Year. So Dayton sweeps that. Marcus Garrett wins Defensive Player of the Year from Kansas. Oh, and by the way, he's on this podcast. You'll hear him shortly. So, you know, those awards were handed out. Hall of Fame announcement uh, from the college aspect of the Hall of Fame. Eddie Sutton gets in to the Hall of Fame. That is planned still for late August. It's going to be a stellar class, obviously. The late Kobe Bryant, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, Kim Mulkey from Baylor. Uh, that Those are the headliners. And then Eddie Sutton getting in. And there was a lot of support, obviously, for Eddie Sutton over these years. I'd like to see Bob Huggins get in. Uh, ultimately, I think Billy Donovan will get in. Jay Wright will get in. So it's just a matter of time for them to hear their names. All right. So Power 36, as I said, unveiling this here. Um, the draft rules, by the way, this is a moving target right now. Uh, there's not going to be a combine. We know that in May. There is not going to be the NBA announced in-person workouts. So that has gone away. Uh, it's all going to be done virtually. So there's a lot of pressure on these early entrants to make a decision sometime. We don't know when the deadline is going to be. It's going to be pushed back because they haven't announced it yet, but I don't see if there's any way the draft's going to be in late June. My gut is it's going to be in September. So all these deadlines are going to get pushed, which means rosters may not be known until September. Um, or late August. So there could be a lot of scholarships that are left open, not a lot on each team, but a lot across the country in Division I uh, as everyone's waiting, you know, to see what's going to happen. So uh, I did this Power 36. I kept updating over the last couple of days as we were hearing more and more players. So keep that in mind. This is going to change. Once we have definitive deadlines, We'll be able to update this once we know rosters and more and more players are deciding, especially transfers. So on the bubble, teams that I thought about, we're going to work our way up. On the bubble, SMU, Arkansas, LSU, Auburn, UConn, USC, Maryland, NC State, Penn State, BYU, Rhode Island, Dayton, Tulsa, Memphis. So where does that lead us? At 36, St. Louis. Billikens could have their top seven scores back from a team that finished fourth in the A-10. Ohio State at 35. The Buckeyes did lose Luther Muhammad to the transfer portal. Caleb Wesson is gone, but they still have a good core of experienced players coming back, including Cal transfer, Justice Suing, and Harvard transfer, Seth Towns. Utah, 34. I love the Utes. Booth Gotch, Ryland Jones, Timmy Allen. They had some good wins last season. If they're all back, they're going to be a major factor in the Pac-12. Purdue at 33. Look, the Boilermakers did lose Matt Harms to the transfer portal, but no gel Eastern. Travion Williams, Sasha Stefanovic, uh, they've got a good quarterback. I like the Boilermakers. At 32, Providence, David Duke, A.J. Reeves, Nate Watson, all back. St. Joe's transfer point guard, Jared Bynum. They're high on him. So even though PC loses a ton of seniors, their core is back. I think they're going to be back in the mix in the Big East. At 30, Oklahoma State. Uh, the Cowboys have the number one player in the country in Cade Cunningham coming in. Picked up a grad transfer, Cal Baptist Ferran Flavors. Uh, this is a team that's going to be in the upper half of the Big 12. At 29, Florida gets the good news that Scotty Lewis is sticking around. We'll, we'll wait and see on Andrew Nemhard and Keontae Johnson. At 28, Stanford. Oscar De Silva had a great talk with him recently. He comes back. Uh, Terrell Terry, declare for the draft. We'll see if he stays in. Dejon Davis back. I think the Cardinal will be an upper division Pac-12 team. At 27, Houston. The Cougars, if they keep Quentin Grimes, Nate Hinton's already declared, but he may not stay in. They'll be the pick of the American. Oklahoma, 26. The Sooners could have one of the better one-two scoring punches with Austin Reeves and Brady Manick. At 25, Richmond. I really like the Spiders. So look, you've got um, a number of players who have declared for the NBA draft. 
Golden, Grant Golden, Blake Francis, Jacob Gilliard. Um, but I still think the Spiders will be, uh, without question, the pick in the A-10 and a team that everyone should pay attention to. So keep an eye on Richmond. I got them at 25. At 24, Louisville. Yes, Jordan War has gone to the NBA. Stephen Enoch's done. But David Johnson, Samuel Williamson, Malik Williams, they got the Radford transfer, Carly Jones. They're going to be a factor. At 23, Oregon. They lose Peyton Pritchard, but Will Richardson, Eugene Omaruri, the transfer Rutgers, they're going to be fine. One-two punch for the Ducks. 22, I got Texas. The Longhorns, they won five in a row before losing their final game to Oklahoma State. So, I think Shaka Smart, who's going to be back, not going anywhere, they'll be an upper division team in the Big 12. At 21, interesting team to kind of place here, and that's Illinois. Kofi Coburn declared, but leaving the door open. Alan Griffin transferred to Syracuse, but they still got Trent Frazier, Georgie Pashanisvili, Demonte Williams, and if Io DeSumo, whatever he's going to do, that determines where Illinois is. He's back. They're way up. He's out. They're, you know, somewhere further than when I have them. At 20, San Diego State, the Aztecs, they're going to defend. Malachi Flynn, Matt Mitchell, if they're back, and they picked up this Northridge transfer, Terrell Gomez, they're going to be fine in terms of their ability to score. They'll be the pick in the Mountain West. UCLA, Chris Smith declared, but leaving his options open. Um, The rest of this core is back. Tiger Campbell. I mean, this is a team, I got them at 19, they're going to be, without question, right there to potentially get in. At 18, I got West Virginia. Um, I'm not going to make a mistake again with the Mountaineers of leaving them out of the Power 36 in the preseason. They could have one of the best front courts in the country if everyone comes back. At 17, I got Texas Tech. If this team returns its core, still don't know about the draft with them, I'm feeling comfortable with them. At number 16, I got Tennessee. Their last two wins over Florida and at Kentucky, those came in the regular season, okay? That was their last two wins. This is going to be a pretty good team. So, I want you to hear from their head coach. Here he is, Rick Barnes, the head coach from Tennessee. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, Tennessee head coach Rick Barnes. And uh, let's spin forward, look positive in the hope that we have a normal 2020-21 season. And in uh, compiling my way, way, way too early uh, Power 36, I've got Tennessee around 18 in the country. I mean, look at the last two games that they won over Florida at Kentucky. Uh, top five recruiting class, only a couple of seniors on the roster. I mean, things were heading in the right direction toward the end of this past season. Uh, Rick, uh, what was your feeling about the way things did end before it was abruptly ended for all of us? Well, I, I do think the right decision was made. Certainly, uh, I think looking back, we might have all said it should have maybe happened a day earlier. That hindsight's twenty twenty, but I am in total agreement with what we did here in the SEC and everybody else around the country followed suit. And so uh, the right decision was made, and and we realize that this is a major, major crisis, not just in our country but around the globe. And uh, I think again that everybody in the United States are doing everything the right way now. And obviously, we all looking forward to hopefully get back to what will be the normal, but I think we're going to have a new normal. But looking back on it uh, up to this point, I, I think that people have handled it as well as it could be handled. And, and what do you think of the way, let me, just on the court for a few moments here, what do you think of the way your team played, especially in those last couple of wins that you guys had? Well, you know, I thought we played really well against uh, Florida Andy, and then they came back from like, a, we had them down 18, and uh, they came roaring back, and we had to make, uh, a, a, John Fulcher made a big time he cleaned up a missed layup by Jordan Bowne, which was really the play of the game. And and then uh, we go to Kentucky. We're down 17, 18, somewhere in there. And I think the experience of how Florida came back on us helped us come back on Kentucky. Then we came home, and we did not play well at all against Auburn. I, I was just really disappointed. But I, And I thought they played great. I thought it was the best they played all year. But I just wasn't happy with uh, – the way we responded after those two wins. And then we go to the SEC tournament, a chance to play Alabama, but obviously that didn't happen. And, and, uh, but we, we went through a lot this year, Andy, with our team, you're losing Lamonte Turner, uh, who was a 16 point game scorer for us. And then we 
Jordan Bowden struggled. You know, Josiah James was hurt through most of the entire preseason. And then we bring in two players, one right after Christmas and and Santiago Vascovi, who it's remarkable what he was able to do without any practice and to do what he did was remarkable. Then we were able to add uh, Euros Plavsics, who was hard on him because he didn't get to get those early season games where he could play through some mistakes. But overall, when I look back at it, I really admire these guys for all the adversity that we had to deal with. They they dealt with it, and it'll make us better look going forward. So all things, you know, if if what we hope happens, where you have a a semi normal season at least on the court, what could next season's team look like, especially with those newcomers that you're bringing in? Well, we're going to be different, Andy. In some ways, you know, I think we're going to have depth. I think we're going to be a, a much better defensive team. I think we'll rebound the ball better. I think we'll be able to beat people off the bounce more. Uh, uh, you know, you like again the one thing that's happened through this. You know, we do stay in touch with our players, and they all have shown, talked about a desire to want to get back. But we're all going to be under the same rules whether it it almost goes back to the old school way of doing things you know back in the day you know not everybody went to summer school and when you did go to summer school you weren't allowed to do anything as a team guys could spend time individually and play pickup ball that they can't even do right now but the fact is we're all going to be on the same timetable really and you personally you wish that we were in a, a groove there where our young guys come in during the summer and you get to work with them but so be it. I mean, everybody's got to deal with it. But I'm excited about our team going forward. I, I just think that we've got some good players coming in. It's going to help us. And I do know the guys coming back are going to work hard and get better. I mean, this past season, in a way, w- w- how much was that going to be a bit of a bridge from, you know, the the uh, uh, Admiral Schofield, Grant Williams era, you know, to obviously this sort of new group that was going to carry the torch for Tennessee? Well, Andy, we, we thought we would be a tournament team uh, because of Lamonte Turner and Jordan Bowden and certainly the addition of Josiah James because we felt like those three guys. And, you know, we had Jalen Johnson who played some minutes at uh, where we felt Eve Ponds and and uh, John Fulkerson and with some of the other new guys that we were going to add, we you know, we felt – good about this group coming in and i tell you we had some positive things happening for us and and uh during the summer then obviously we get in close to the season the start of regular season and josiah missed six weeks which really set him back lamonte was still trying to come back from his shoulder but we thought was doing okay but then it just got to a point where he just couldn't do it and so where we thought we were going to play through our guards we ended up having to go the other way and play through john fulkerson and eve ponds and both of those guys had got shifted into a new role. And when you look back, both of those guys had really, really good years. And we were just so inconsistent on the perimeter. And uh, then we, in the middle of nowhere, we had, you know, Santiago Vascovian, who I don't know where we would have been without him because we still weren't healthy at the time. And, and uh, we had to change. We had to add some things. During that period, if anybody would have played a zone, we'd have been in trouble because we were just trying to give him a couple things that he already knew on the offensive end. We didn't even talk much zone offense with him, but he his shot would have obviously helped us. But uh, we're excited again, and I, I just think that um, we think we'll have as good a chance as anybody next year. In what way will some of these newcomers impact this team, like especially led by Jaden Springer? I think Jaden and Keon, I think both of those guys bring a level of tenacity. Uh, they're big time competitors. They both have the ability to be just terrific, terrific defensive players. And uh, both of them have just are now scratching the surface of what they will become as offensive players, but their pit bull bulldog type attitude is going to give us something on the perimeter that we need. It's going to help all the other guys. You know, it's going to make uh, Santiago have to push harder. Josiah push harder Eve Pons, you know, I mean, he's as good a defensive player there is in the country. John Fulkerson, we're counting on him to be as consistent as he was coming down the stretch. And then those other young guys, uh, you know, that got some minutes last year and, you know, Corey Johnson coming in, those guys are going to be uh, guys that, that we count on. So we, we mentioned the top. Obviously, these are unprecedented times. Uh, in, in what way are you connecting with the players you know, as everyone's sort of dispersed, not and especially with your team all over the globe. 
Well, you know, once we got back from Nashville, we had a quick meeting with our medical staff. And, and then like anybody there, you forget about being a coach and you think about it as a parent. And I just knew at that point in time, if it were possible, I would have wanted my kids to be with me. I mean, I said, Hey, I, I want you to get home wherever you are. I want, want you to get there. So it was important to us that we got our players with their families. And what we did as a coaching staff was say, you know, we divide our players up and we rotated it around, but we said, Hey, we want to be in constant contact every day. And so every day we're reaching our guys some way, somehow. And then last week, at the end of every year, we do what we call our exit meetings, where we just simply want to sit down with each guy. And and uh, as a staff, the coaches, my assistant coaches do a great job with it, where they sit down and talk to the players about what they thought, let them evaluate the year from their point of view, uh, both individually and our team. And then we talk about what's going forward, what they need to do. And so we were able to do that last week by Zoom uh, and uh, got some great feedback and really made us probably more excited than uh you know this time of year you're looking for some excitement and some hope and and we just know we got a bunch of good guys and the fact that they all want to get back here tells us that uh we've got a good thing going well rick more than anything stay safe uh best to you and your family and and hopefully sooner than later uh we'll be talking uh, about basketball and we'll all be on the other side same to you andy take care brother all right so you heard from rick barnes the Vols are going to be a team to certainly watch out for. Let's just do a couple here because I got another guest for you. North Carolina got them at 15. Wait and see what happens with their NBA draft status of their core group. But I think they're going to be much better than what we thought uh, a year ago. Even if Cole Anthony's gone, I still feel they're going to be in the mix. Uh, this was a one-year blip for the Tar Heels. At number 14, Florida State. They may get hit hard by the early entry aspect of the draft. We shall see. But there's no better person to discuss Florida State than Leonard Hamilton, their head coach. Here he is. Leonard, um, you guys had a phenomenal season. ACC regular season champs. Didn't lose at home in Tallahassee. And had we had an NCAA tournament or even a full ACC tournament, there's a good chance... You had the roster to potentially win both those events or at least get to Atlanta. Um, didn't happen. Global pandemic, nothing any of us could do. But when you look back at what happened this past season, what do you remember most? Well, I think the thing that stands out about this season is the fact that we had unbelievable chemistry. And I thought the chemistry, because of the culture it's been growing and developing over the years, was at an all-time high. Cats, we, we play a little different than everybody else. We play more people. We pick up full court. We push the ball as hard as we can on offense. We expend a whole lot of energy. And we try not to ever take any possessions off. And so we we, we play at a high level uh, from from an energy standpoint, and which requires guys to, to, to play to exhaustion. And plus, uh, you need to have a lot of depth. Well, our guys have bought into enjoying the way that we the way we play. I was talking to uh, Coach Gates, one of my former assistants, this morning, and we were having a conversation. And I told him I was going to make a statement to him that he's going to think I'm crazy when I say it. But the only thing that my players complained about this year was when I played Trent and Devin. 31 minutes, two games in a row, they were complaining that I was playing them too many minutes <laughs> and wasn't giving them enough rest. And then we consistently, I have kids who play four, five, six minutes, and I see where he's getting fatigued a little bit, and he's playing well, and I'll try to sub, and it's nothing. Seldom, most of the time, a player will say, Coach, he's playing well, and then let him continue playing with it. He's played till exhausted, and he's getting tired. I got players who don't want to go in and and replace a kid who's playing well, even though they play the same position. So, you know, it, it's it's an unusual culture that we have, and our guys have bought in to playing the way we we think we need to play in order for us to be successful. And and that's the thing that stands out to most about our team is that our kids seem to have bought into the philosophy that we we win games back to middle and we eighteen strong, and they 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 really believe that which was really, really the most satisfying thing about this season. 
So obviously you had a really good team, tough team to face, but also what made your home court so difficult for teams to come in and win and especially close out. And I'm thinking them, I think maybe it was the last game, if I'm thinking correctly, the Louisville game where they had a lead and couldn't close and you guys steamrolled them in the second half. Well, this team, I think we, we're connected. I think that's one reason why we, I, I think our record, we've won nine, we've won nine straight overtime games, I believe. And I think we're 39 and nine in one possession game over the last last maybe five or six years. And I think the, the reason is not necessarily that we have more, more talent. It's think, I think our guys have confidence. They play with a level of confidence. They believe in each other. They believe in the system. And, and we are quietly just kind of developing, you know, a, a culture that we believe that if we play together as a team and, and defend well and play unselfish, that we can be successful. And I think that's one of the reasons why the, our home court has been as good to us because our kids believe in each other and they believe in the system and the style of play that we're playing. They seem to enjoy it. And that seems to be, a, a, you know, gives us a certain level of confidence that every game we just feel that we're capable of winning. And obviously, the, the atmosphere that we've created at home gives you that little added boost of juice that we call it. They give us that juice that we need to, when the game's online, we're able to turn it up a notch. Yeah, I know, I know the Louisville game wasn't the last game. I think it was in the last week. Um, I think that was on a big Monday or something like that. But um, all right, let's spin forward. Let's hope that we have a... A normal season, a new normal season uh, in November. Um, you know, Devin did declare, but if I'm not mistaken, I think he left the door open. And we don't know when the draft even will occur. I mean, it may not occur till August or September. Well, so and, some- and there's no doubt in my mind that Devin and Patrick both will be first-round draft picks. So you think they'll stay in? They should. Okay. We knew at the beginning of the season that that was a 75, 80% chance that if we had the kind of season I thought we were capable of having, that 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 both of those guys would have to play at a level where they both would be show that they're capable of, of being first-round draft picks. And um, this will be the second year in a row that our sixth man of the year in the ACC has been a first-round draft pick. I think there's no question that Patrick Williams, I, I think he possibly could be a lottery pick. All right, so am I crazy to still then put you in as a potential top 10 team without those guys? Well, this is what I think. I think if, if I was writing an article about us, I think if you go back and look at the last four or five years, every year we've gotten better, regardless of who we've lost. I mean, we lost Beasley, Bacon, and, and Jonathan Isaac, and that whole bunch. We lost six players last year. We lost six players, and, and we were better this year. We lost four or five players. We lost kids the year before, and we got better. I think that it's hard for us. We have not moved into that culture, that mindset on a national basis where you place some teams year in and year out. In other words, other words, there are some teams that automatically you just put them in the top 25 because traditionally every year they have teams, even if they finished at the bottom, had a bad year, or if they lost players, there are certain teams that you automatically just put them back where they have been all all along. Well, we have not, we have not captivated the imagination of people like yourself who just assume that we're going to have a good team because of the style, the system, the culture in the tradition that we've been able to establish. So you asking me that question. Well, know, I'm, I'm in now. I'm in now. I'm, I'm convinced. Okay. I'm saying you're a top 25 team every year. I'm just trying to decide where to put you at this way, way, way too early point. But I, yes, I'm on board. You're a top 25 team. This question is just how high do we put you now? But we don't know. That's the problem because we still don't know who's coming, who's, who's not coming back for all these other teams. Well, let, let, do I think we're going to be a top 10 team? Yes. Uh, but but what happens with us, the, the, people, the type of players that we recruit sometime in the preseason don't give you the, the buzz that sometimes the other teams in our league recruit 
that give you the impression that they're going to be, you know, where, where everyone can put comfort predict them. Because we recruit guys who fit our system and who sometimes don't always get the same national recognition that's, that other players get for going to different programs. Yes, I think we'll be a top 10 team. All right. That's what I like to hear. However, I'm not real sure that's going to be obvious until about December the 1st of January. But if I was writing what I know about our team, I'd put us in the top 10. All right. Well, that's good to hear. <laughs> um, all right. So in these crazy, crazy times, unprecedented, how are – I mean, you're talking about you're talking to your former assistant, Dennis Gates. I mean, how are you connecting – uh, with these players right now as you're trying to sort of keep everyone uh, at least feeling a part of this as everyone's dispersed around the country? Well, I have five players that are here in Tallahassee still staying on top of doing what they can do. So they're um, in the dorms or apartments or what? They're in, in their apartments. And then I have players that are dispersed, you know, around the country that we are in constant communication with. As a matter of fact, either this week Tuesday and Thursday, Tuesday or Thursday, we're having conference calls with all our players and we're going to debrief a little bit about the season and talk about some things or how we're handling this and kind of continue our high level of communication with each other so we don't lose the relationships and the communication that we've been able to establish over 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 the last couple of years. So it's important that we stay connected and so we're in the process now of, of, of doing the Zoom, setting up our Zoom communications. I think we're going to have two sessions this week, and then, then we will probably have one session per week communicating with, with each other as a staff and as a team, just so we can, uh, we, you know, we can stay connected. Uh, one last thing, Leonard. Um, you know, I just thought since this just happened this last week, uh, you also coached at Oklahoma State, uh, so you know Eddie Sutton's history there, and he, you know, your past sort of you you were at different school at the same schools, excuse me. Sometimes at different times, you know. Obviously, he was at Kentucky. You've been at Kentucky. He was at Oklahoma State. You've been at Oklahoma State. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, on Eddie Sutton getting into the Hall of Fame? Okay, that's an excellent question, uh, uh, Andy. I have to be the most fortunate coach in the country to have had an opportunity to work with the assistant coach, the head coaches that I've worked with. Lake Kelly at Austin P was a great tactician and a brilliant intellectual organized and thorough that I really, really learned a lot from. I could not have been with a, a person who, I learned a whole lot more about how to deal with players and how to be organized in, in terms of, of being a good teacher at Austin P. my first job. Then going to Kentucky, working for Joe Hall with the Windows program in the history of college basketball in terms of how they did things academically, socially, uh, at a high level with a lot of intensity, being in that fishbowl existence, always having that intense uh, atmosphere to, the, the be in and learn how to handle that. So I was very fortunate. And then I worked, I was there with Eddie for like seven or eight months before I took the head job at Oklahoma State. And each one of those guys were different, but I learned so much from each one of them. And what I learned from Eddie, he was supremely confident. He had a, a, a unique way of not only being confident himself, but breathe, breathe, breathing a positive energy with his players. He didn't have very complicated systems and he simplified things and he just, he had a different way of organizing and how he utilized his staff, how everybody had different responsibilities. I gained so much from all three of those guys and I could not have had a better atmosphere to learn and grow at each stop in Eddie's level of communication and confidence, the positive, confident attitude that he always had and how he simplified his defense and his offense was something I took from him. And uh, I can say this, there's, there's no doubt in my mind he deserves the 
the honor that he's receiving for being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Well, I will say this: at some, uh, you have had a Hall of Fame type career, in my opinion, because you have consistently won at a high, high level, turned this program uh, into what should be, as you said, uh, uh, it should be a regular in the top 25, top 10, uh, ACC champs multiple times. Uh, people forget what you did at Miami. I mean, that, that might seem like a lifetime ago, but that thing didn't exist, and you took it over and built it up. So uh, you've done a masterful job, and most importantly, you've stayed young, fountain of youth, stay healthy, stay well throughout all this and uh, hopefully we'll talk to you soon, but just stay well, all right? All right, buddy. All right, so let's pick it up here. We are inside the top 14 in our Power 36. At number 13, Rutgers. Huge pickup with Cliff Omururi, a 6'10 freshman, incoming freshman from the state of New Jersey. Geo Baker, Ron Harper, Miles Johnson. This is going to be a squad in the upper half of the Big Ten. At number 12, Michigan State. No Cassius Winston, no Xavier Tillman for now. We'll see if he stays in. But Rocket Watts, Gabe Brown, Aaron Henry, Malik Hall, Marcus Bingham, Marquette transfer, Joey Hauser. I like the Spartans. And number 11, Duke. Top two recruiting class led by Jalen Johnson. Yes, they're getting gutted by the draft, but I still got them at number 11. At number 10, Virginia. Marquette transfer, Sam Hauser. They're still going to defend. Kihei Clark, their point guard is back. I like Virginia at number 10. At number nine, Kentucky. The roster is still in flux. We already know that they've lost uh, Tyrese Maxey, Ashton Hagens, but fear not, the Wildcats will be fine. They got a top recruiting class in the country, led by Terrence Clark and BJ Boston. I got them at number nine. At number eight, Michigan. Okay. The Wolverines, huge hit. Xavier Simpson, John Teske. Isaiah Livers, we'll see if he stays or not. Um, If he does, they're going to be top 10 for sure. But I like the rest of the team. Franz Wagner, Brandon Johns, Austin Davis, Eli Brooks, Colin Castleton. This team is going to be definitely in the mix, without question, for a Big Ten title. Now we move to number seven. Kansas, gone Yudoka Azubuke, but we don't know yet about Devon Dotson. The rest of the crew, they got all the pieces, and their leader could be Marcus Garrett, the Naismith Award winner, and he joins us now. Marcus, you had a phenomenal season. Your team was on the verge of you know, potentially winning a national championship before a global pandemic changed everything for all of us. Uh, let's first look back at your year. Uh, and congratulations. Uh, what do you think made you such a stingy defender? Um, I basically said a lot going to that. Uh, just with my quick hands, knowing scouting report. Uh, Coach Self, my teammates, having someone like Doke in the back that you know if you get beat, he's definitely going to cover for you. So it was a lot of different things that basically just helped me be a great defender this year. When you heard that you were a finalist, let alone won it, uh, what did that mean to you? Uh, it meant a lot. Um, I felt like I was kind of starting to get the recognition early in the season, and it really started to get bigger late. Um, so once I found out I was a finalist, I was definitely happy. Uh, I definitely thought that I had a chance the whole time to win it. You know, one I remember talking the year before uh, at the Final Four with Matisse Thibel, who won it the previous year, and he had told me that he learned at some point that look, I'm not the greatest scorer, so I'm going to find a skill set that's going to really work for me to help me be successful in college and hopefully the NBA. Uh, At what point did you realize that for you, that, hey, I can do this, and and this is going to really help me make sure that I'm an important piece at Kansas and beyond? Um, Definitely. My freshman year, um, when I got to the school and I was playing with guys like Speed, Devontae, Malik, the drill and dope. Um, I just knew I wasn't going to be any other primary options on that team. If I wanted to get on the court, I definitely had to defend and stop somebody. All right. So we don't know what would have happened, but you guys were rolling. Uh, so we can play a little what if. What do you think would have happened if we were able to have an NCAA tournament? Uh, I definitely think that we would have won a national championship. Uh, 
I, like you said, I just felt like we was rolling. Um, I felt like it would take one of the best efforts of the year to beat us, just the way we were playing, just the way we was connected on and off the court. I just felt like we probably had the best shot at winning the national championship. So let's look ahead to next year um, and hope that everything goes as scripted in, in November when you guys would start. Uh, obviously, Doka's gone. Uh, we don't know if uh, Devon Dotson would stay in the draft or not. Uh, but still, I think this would be, regardless, a top 10 team. What do you think this team could look like next season? Athletic. Um, I feel like we have a lot of athletic wings. Uh, we have one coming in uh, from Juco. He's definitely athletic. Um, I would say our point guard next year is athletic. So I feel like we could probably kind of be similar, but missing Doke is going to be huge. Um, I feel like we can still have the same defensive intensity that we had. We just going to have to turn up another level without Doke being there. Well, and David McCormick, obviously his role would increase uh, without uh, Doke, so that would be huge for you guys. Um, so a lot of positive things, and the program is still obviously in a position where you guys can compete for a national championship uh, year in and year out. So these are strange times, Marcus. Um, you're in your hometown of Dallas. Uh, how are you holding up uh, as we're all sort of in a, essentially lockdown? Um, just kind of staying safe. Um, just going in the garage, just trying to get a little workout in here and there. Just trying trying to stay in shape a little as much as I can, knowing that there aren't any gyms. Or basically, any facilities you can go and just get your own work in. How you handling? Um, just you know, usually when you're at school, you know, foods being taken care of, any medical and all that. How you handling those basic things now that you're back home? Oh, it's definitely different, but then it's kind of the same because at school, I mean, I don't have as many groceries that I have at home. So it's usually that I'm eating out every day at school, and then it's like I'm eating more home-cooked meals, and I got my parents here just to cook every night and things like that. All right, so you're getting better food at home, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and lastly, how are you staying connected with your teammates and the staff right now? Uh, me and my teammates, we just have a little group chat that we all just talking and just interact with each other and laughing. And then you just text the coaches throughout the days and just making sure everybody's safe and still and still healthy. Well, hopefully you and everyone else, that's what happens. Uh, stay safe, and congratulations on winning the Naismith Defensive Player of the Year. Okay, thank you. All right, so that's your 7 through 36. Let's work our way up to the top. At number 6, I got Wisconsin. Badgers got a piece of the Big Ten regular season title in their final game at Indiana. Great recruiting class. The whole core group is back. Demetric Trice, Brad Davison, Micah Potter can have a full season. I got them at six. At five, Iowa. Luca Garza more than likely coming back. Joe Wieskamp coming back. They're probably going to be the pick to win the Big Ten. At number four, Creighton. Marcus Zagorowski, Tyshawn Alexander, the Blue Jays. They're going to be a co-Big East regular season, you know, champion uh, in terms of the preseason pick. Who are they going to be joining? Villanova. Colin Gillespie, Jermaine Samuels. Now, we don't know about Sadiq Bay or J- Jeremiah Robinson Earl because they're going to test. But great recruiting class. Got them at three. Baylor at two. Pretty much their whole team back. Um, the core group led by Jared Butler. Uh, they could be another possible number one seed. Stingy defense. Love the squad. I got them at two. And a number one, going with the Zags. Corey Kispert, Philip Petrusev, Drew Timmy, Joel Ayayi, Antoine Watson. If newcomer Jalen Suggs comes and doesn't go to the NBA, this squad's going to be as deep as we saw this season. So, you don't believe me? Let's hear from Corey Kispert of the Zags. Corey, a couple things before we go forward, because I'll tell you where I have Gonzaga ranked in my way, way, way too early top 25, or actually power 36 for next season. Uh, Let's deal first with this past season. I had the pleasure of being with you guys in Las Vegas. So you guys were one of the few teams that had a chance to, you know, actually um, see some closure 
in the season, uh, which was good in, in some sense. When you look back at winning the WCC and all that you accomplished, what do you think of the most? Uh, I just remember the team uh, coming together and, and gelling like, like really no other team I've played on has. Um, we had a bunch of guys from around the country who didn't really know each other. And um, to have a group of guys who, you know, go from not knowing each other to a brotherhood in about four months was, was, was pretty ridiculous. And uh, we made it work and we, we really executed and we excelled, you know, with, with each other. Actually, not just the country, the globe. I mean, that that's, what's amazing too, is how this global group came together. Um, you know, to my point at the beginning about not everyone got closure. Uh, the fact that you got a championship, you held a trophy, there was confetti. I was standing there with you guys in Las Vegas. Um, I, you know, in, in these crazy times that we didn't get a chance to have an NCAA tournament, uh, how much does that at least allow a tiny bit of closure that you were able to at least finish some form of a tournament? Yeah, that's what I kept telling myself uh, in the days kind of uh, right after the tournament got canceled and reality kind of started to set in was at least we got something. We got some confetti. We got a trophy. And a lot of teams aren't that lucky. Uh, weren't that lucky at all. So it didn't make me feel much better, but it was just a little piece of silver lining that we got to hang on to. So uh, you guys would have been a number one seed. Um, hard to play the what if game, but we will. What do you think would have happened in the NCAA tournament? I think we would have made a deep run. Uh, I think we were peaking at the right time. We were playing really good basketball, um, especially at the end of that tournament. Um, really, really uh, hitting our hitting our stride and hitting our marks. And um, I think we would have a really dangerous team to make a really deep run. Um, we had all the pieces and guys were getting healthy and guys were, were, were finding their groove. And, um, you know, especially with Joel playing so well down the stretch, uh, he's a huge piece to our success um, as a team. And with him playing so well, we would have, we would have been really dangerous. So, you know, look, there's nothing against Ryan Woldridge and, and Abin Gilder because they were huge, huge pieces of this season. Mm -hmm. But I'll be honest, the one player that I feel just really bad for because I've grown to really, you know, admire him i get to, i've gotten to know him not as well as you obviously but i just wish that killian would have been able to play one more ncaa tournament because he was finally healthy he got a chance to win that wcc um when you think back of his miss opportunity you know how does that make you feel i mean i've been thinking about that for for years now um just just leading up to this this year this year was the reason why he came back um he was finally healthy for the first time and you know, two years and he was ready to roll. And, um, I mean, a lot of tears were shed and a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, long talks were had between me and him about just, you know, how this, what this year meant to him and, um, what, what could have been and all that stuff. And, uh, Killian's kind of built his career on being a tough guy. Um, he was battled through injuries and he's, and he's worked through stuff. So this is just another roadblock that he's going to work through. And, uh, we all know that, and he's going to come out come out better at the end. So you're in Seattle, which was the beginning of this pandemic, at least in the U.S., and it's obviously shifted to New York. What's life like in Seattle right now? Uh, it's pretty quiet, man. Um, people are wearing masks on the street, uh, keeping their social distance between each other. and Yeah, but it's, it's, it's really quiet. You, you barely see any cars on the road driving to the grocery store, and when you do, people are really scared to, to see you walk in the door. Um, People are really taking um, everything that the government's told us to do seriously. And um, I think we're doing our part to to slow down the pandemic. So in what way have you been able to connect with the staff and uh, and teammates? Uh, it's mostly through like FaceTime and phone calls. It's been pretty much business as usual for them and for us. Um, this is a time normally during the year where we'd be kind of working out and taking things slow. So um we're getting workouts sent to us by our strength coach and coaching staff's checking in on us probably once or twice a week. So, I mean, it's weird that we're not on campus, but the, but the level of, you know, check-in and connect connectivity is pretty much the same. All right. So uh, I'm an optimistic person and I'm going to believe that we're going to have a season. Uh, and so uh, on uh, this week, I'm putting out my, my way too early power 36 and um, I got the Zags one. Uh, you know, uh, just of what's coming back, what could happen in terms of newcomers. Um, I feel really good about this Gonzaga team from afar. Uh, you know, we don't know if anyone still will be enticed by the NBA draft, although that is still a whole process in flux because it may not happen till 
August or September. Uh, what's your sense if we get a chance to have what we hope is a season, uh, what Gonzaga could look like next season? I mean, we're going to be really good. Really good. Just like you said, um, returning pieces, uh, Philip, uh, Anton's coming back from being healthy. He was really, really good for us before he got hurt. Uh, Drew was just was becoming a better player every game. And then, you know, obviously the freshman that everybody has heard about and that the country's kind of starting to recognize, uh, those guys can really go. And uh, we're excited for them to be part of the Zag program and part of the family. And, you know, we're all itching to kind of get things going. You know, this past season was supposed to be sort of a potential bridge year because no one knew it was going to happen. If this does play out where, once again, you're a potential top seed, you would have been a top seed, what does that say about, you know, essentially your four years and obviously even before that, but just uh, even just take your four-year snapshot of what this program has become nationally? Yeah, I mean, we, we, it's, it's just it speaks to how good of a program we are and how, how legit the, this whole operation has been. Um, Coach Hugh and, and the staff has done a great job of bringing the right guys in. I think that's a huge, a big, big time underlooked piece is just making sure yeah, they have the right guys uh, in our building. And um, they may not always be the highly, most highly recruited or the highest ranks of the, of the most well-known, but uh, they're going to go and they're going to put the work in and uh, they're going to trust each other and play for each other. And, um, you know, and as you've seen in my, I guess my three, three years that the result always comes out pretty good. And I'm proud to be here, and I'm proud to have enjoyed that success. Well, Corey, stay safe, and hope uh, hopefully sooner than later we're going to see you back on the court, and we'll all be covering you guys and you know, be in Spokane and everywhere else. Yep, me too, Andy. Stay safe. All right, so that'll wrap up our Power 36. I appreciate our guests, Rick Barnes, Leonard Hamilton, Marcus Garrett, Corey Kispert. Uh, we will continue to provide content for you at March Madness throughout – are shut down nationally and globally. And of course, as soon as we can get back, we will uh, to uh, covering this great game that we all love. And uh, I'm convinced we will have, uh, you know, a season next season. We're going to be covering it. We're going to be delivering it to you. And we have had over a hundred straight March Madness 365 podcasts. Can't wait for the next hundred. So continue to listen, engage. We appreciate all your contributions I want to thank our incredible staff at Turner Sports, Chad Acock, Abby Stoltz, Michael Kaplan, everyone else that puts in the hard work to get this podcast up and running and downloaded for you, the fan, the consumer. We appreciate it deeply. Everyone stay safe out there and we'll talk to you next week.